listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Well, this summer, my wife and I, we moved into our first home. And I want to tell you about our first day in the house. Uh, We had scheduled a company to come and deliver and install a fridge. And so they arrived in kind of the afternoon, and we ran into a problem immediately, is they realized the fridge couldn't fit through any of the doors. And so we're like, okay, awesome, we'll just put it in the backyard, right? Uh, no, we, um, they were like, okay, we, we think we have a, a plan. We're going to remove the front door and try to push it in through there. The, the plan originally was hopefully just to take it in through the garage. It had been right in the kitchen, been easy. But no, every, everything's got to be a little bit difficult when you're a first-time homeowner, right? <laughs> you all know how this goes. So they uh, remove the door and begin to push in the fridge through the front door. And there's three guys carrying it, begin to like move it in through the entryway. Everything's going fine. But my fear the whole time was we had a, a vinyl plank flooring throughout the house. And I was just kind of terrified that something, even as we were moving stuff in, that something was going to happen to the house. Uh, or to this floor in particular. And so I'm supervising, of course, as these three guys are moving this fridge. They bring it in through the entryway, take a turn, and they're like about 20 inches away from where it needs to go in the kitchen into like the little section that fits perfectly. And they're moving it, and I watch one guy on the left side of the fridge kind of like lose his grip just ever so slightly. And the fridge kind of goes down, begins to scratch the bottom of the floor. He doesn't know this. He's not aware of it. And then as he kind of overcorrects, brings the fridge back up, he sends it the other way. And the other two guys lose grip a little bit, and that side of the fridge starts to to grab the ground and scratch a little bit. And so finally, they get the fridge into the section where it needs to go. I'm across the room, and I can see very two clear scratches on the floor. And I just lose my mind. Like, just, I go from, this is the best day ever, we're moving into our house, to just boiling with anger. Like, just so much frustration. I am, like, steaming. And I, I look across the room at my wife, who doesn't know that this has happened at all, and I mouth to her, they scratched the floor. Right? Just so angry. And so I immediately do this thing where I just start pacing back and forth in the living room. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what is going to happen? And I hear my wife call me from the other room. She says, hey, Austin, can you come in here and help me? I go into the other room. She doesn't need my help at all. She's just trying to get me to calm down, right? She knows I am losing it. And it took me multiple days to get over this, right? Because I was so excited. We're moving into our first home everything's perfect for this moment, and then within hours, it felt like to me it was ruined, right? That something went totally wrong. And after a couple hours that day, I like finally came to my senses, and I realized, and I was just so disappointed in myself of how uncontrolled I was. Like, thankfully, I didn't say anything too far, but I was so disappointed in just how uncontrolled in my body I was, that I would allow myself to get that angry, to get that frustrated. And most importantly, this was supposed to be a special day for us. Like it was supposed to be a special week, an exciting time, but I couldn't shut up about the floor, right? Because I was so frustrated about it. 
And I wonder for you if you've ever had a moment like this where you've said something that you regretted or, or you did something that you didn't want to do or maybe for you, you've been walking through an addiction for, for a while that not many people know about and you just feel out of control. And with that in mind this morning, we're going to talk about how as believers we can become more controlled. And we're going to look at this biblical principle that we see throughout Scripture of this idea of self-control. That as someone that's seeking to grow in Christ and to pursue after Him, how can we become more self-controlled? And so we've been journeying all summer through the book of Proverbs. If you'll go to chapter 25, this is where we're going to begin this morning. Proverbs 25, we're going to read from verse 28. It says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And so during the time of Solomon and really throughout biblical history, we see that the cities of throughout biblical history would be surrounded by walls, that each of them would build a wall to protect them from enemy invasion. The primary purpose of a wall during this time was for protection. And so a city without walls would be vulnerable, that someone could attack at any moment, that the city would be left defenseless. And so what this proverb is trying to teach us here is that a person that lacks self-control is vulnerable. The enemy, Satan, could attack them at any point. It's basically saying, instead of having some kind of defense set up, that instead you're welcoming the enemy in to attack you at any point. And the enemy does not want us to be self-controlled. Like we see throughout Scripture that Satan hates us. His desire for us is to be self-destructive. And truly what he wants more than anything is for us to distrust God and to disobey his plan and his purpose for your life. And I think not only does Satan want this, not only is this his desire for all people, but I think for many Christians, he's winning. Like he's winning without even a fight being put up, that we are living lives without self-control. And so a Christian without self-control may look like this. It may look like having fits of anger and rage and blowing up on people. And for some people, this happens the most while you're driving. It may look like being addicted to pornography or often drinking too much. It may look like small things that we don't really talk about, but like constantly hitting the snooze button over and over and never being able to wake up when your alarm actually goes off. May look like spending countless hours scrolling on social media or clicking, yes, I'm still watching on Netflix for the third hour in a row. Or it may just look like eating too much. And on and on and on, we could go with different examples. But even the most self controlled people, there's still areas in our lives that we could grow in self control. And so this proverb also alludes to this idea that a person with self control is like a city wall, that they're protected from the attacks of an enemy. And so during this time in Scripture, what's, what's interesting 
is that a city with a wall, like a very dominant and strong wall, other cities wouldn't attack them solely based off the size of their wall. Because if they knew that wall was so strong and dominant, they knew the city itself was even more dominant. And so in the same way, being self-controlled is our defense strategy to fight off our fleshly desires. It's our strategy to fight off the enemy in the way he's going to tempt us. And so all of us, we need a battle plan. We need a plan that can fight off our fleshly desires and a strategy to go against the enemy. Because if we don't have a plan, the very things that we struggle with are actually going to control us, right? We will become a slave to lust, to anger, to anxiety, to addiction, and on and on. And we're going to be left with countless regrets rather than having control over these areas in our life. And so with this proverb in mind that a person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls, with this as our foundation, I want us to look at a couple different New Testament passages that are going to provide a means of support or really a strategy of how we can become more self-controlled. So if you go to Galatians chapter 5, this will be the first passage of Scripture we'll look at. Galatians 5, verse 16. Give you a minute to turn there. We're going to read uh, verse 16 through verse 23. It says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so Paul says, when you depend on the Spirit, it's the Spirit that goes against our fleshly desires, the areas where we lack control. And so the Spirit helps us do the things we truly want to do. When it comes to like honoring God and walking with the Spirit and not living with shame and regret. And then in verse 18, It says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And so here Paul's going to list multiple areas that we could struggle or lack in self-control. He says, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things alike. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what's the first step of our battle plan? To be more controlled. It's to depend on the Spirit. If you're taking notes, that's our first point. Depend on the Spirit. And so I love how one author describes self-control. My boy Tony Ward actually sent me this, and I think this is so powerful. It says, true self-control is not about bringing ourselves under our own control, but under the power of Christ. And so becoming self-controlled is not something that we grit our teeth or try to muscle up enough strength. Self-control is a work of God. Like we've talked about this before, that self-control is a miracle to be produced in our life. 
Only through God's work. And so self-control is the fruit of us saying, I am going to be dependent on God. That basically this idea of any of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, when you depend on God and you're seeking Him, it is a natural outflow. It's what's produced in our life when we're allowing Him to be in control rather than us trying to do it on our own. And so depending on the Spirit is this idea that you're recognizing, I can't do it, but he can. Only through the power of Jesus can anyone have self-control over anything. And so the first step of our battle plan is really this idea that we need to recognize we're not alone. Understanding this truth, I think, may be helpful in this way. And so, I don't know how many of you remember the movie, The Lion King. And so there's a moment in the movie where Simba and Nala go uh, kind of exploring, and they get trapped in this area called Elephant Graveyard. Hopefully you remember the moment I'm talking about. It's one of my favorite moments from this movie. So they went exploring, and they get trapped by all of these hyenas. And there's this moment where they're surrounded by hyenas, and Simba goes to growl, right? He's going to terrify them and scare them. And he goes, right? And all of the hyenas just die laughing, right? They all make fun of him. They're like, oh, do it again. Like, oh, you're so weak. You're childish, right? We want to hear you roar again, right? And so he steps back and he goes to roar. And all you hear is his father, Mufasa, roaring. And in the canyon, just pierces it. And all of these hyenas run and are terrified. And this is a picture of what we look like when we try to have self-control on our own, is that we look weak and humorous. We're a lot like Simba's little growl, right? And here's the truth that I want you to hear. We can look to our Father. We're not alone in the midst of the battle. We can look to our Heavenly Father and pursue His strength. And so overall, you cannot win the battle on your own. You, you don't have the power to beat lust. You don't have the power within you to beat anxiety. You don't have the power to beat just any type of addiction or any type of struggle. If you had that power within you, you would have already done it, right? You wouldn't still be struggling with that thing. But if you've committed your life to Jesus, you have access to the most powerful source in the universe. You have access to the power and the strength of your Father in heaven. And so we can become more self-controlled and begin to fight off some of our greatest struggles when we become dependent on Him, when we look to Him as our means of support. And so I think for so many Christians, the reason we lack in self-control, the, the reason we have moments where we blow up and we do things that we regret and just struggle on and on and on, one is that we're sinful. It's going to happen. But number two, the reason we're wrestling with it so much is because we're trying to do it on our own. We're, we're not praying that the fruit of the Spirit would be produced in our life. We're not seeking the Lord with everything we have, asking Him to help us in these certain areas. But what we're trying to do is muster the strength to do it on our own. And what Scripture says is that's worthless. That's weak and humorous, right? It's not going to help. But become self-controlled. We must rely on the Spirit. We must depend on Him every step of the way. Now we're also going to look at 1 Timothy 4.16, if you'll turn there. 
Paul speaking to Timothy here in, in verse 16. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on your, on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so Paul says to keep a close watch on yourself. He's talking about knowing our weak spots, knowing where we're the weakest. And so kind of going back on this truth about a wall, even the most strongest and powerful cities with these huge walls that would protect them, even those walls had weak spots. There was areas where different people would access the city through certain gates, and in those areas in particular were the weakest areas of the gate. And so what they would do in that time is they would overprotect those areas. They would put countless guards on top and below these walls to protect the areas where they knew they were the weakest. And in the same way, the second point and really the way that we can pursue and fight off our fleshly desires is to be aware, is to know where we struggle. And so Ben Stewart in his book, Rest in War, he describes this idea as being a student of yourself. This is our second point in our battle plan is to be a student of yourself. And so Paul calls Timothy here to know his own wiring and tendencies. To, to keep a close watch on yourself means to know where you're weak. Know where you're struggling. Evaluate your life. And so I, I think we can do this by asking ourselves some questions like this. When am I most likely to get angry? What emotion am I feeling when I'm led to say that thing, do that thing, or go to that place? Where do you seek comfort after a hard week? What do you run to? When I'm lonely, I normally run to blank. When are you the most vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy? Many of us, myself included, we don't want to think about these things. Like, none of us want to think about where we're weak or where we struggle, but Paul says you need to do the exact opposite to fight and to grow in self-control. You actually need to think about where you struggle, where you're weak, for you can know what to avoid, what to fight off. And so if you're tired of making the same mistakes over and over again, you're tired of living with regret, we need to grow in becoming a student of ourselves to know and evaluate our life. And so we talked about this last week in this idea of, of being a faithful friend. But the way that you can accelerate this process is that you bring in the people of God. That you would ask them the hard question of, where do you see struggles in my life? Where do you see weaknesses? And to have that faithful friend, we talked about this as the idea of it's a truth teller, of someone that will point out the areas that you are weak for you can grow in becoming strong. And so when you depend on the Spirit and you begin to become a student of yourself, you're beginning to fight off the struggles. And we're going to finish with Romans chapter 13, if you'll turn there. Romans 13, verse 14. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The third and final thing we see to fight off our fleshly desires and become more self-controlled is to avoid temptation. 
We must be a people that are avoiding temptation. And, and here's how these go together. That is, you're growing and becoming a student of yourself. As you're learning where you're weak, where you're most likely to struggle, it will help you better to be able to avoid temptation. You know how to avoid it. And so if you want less shame and regret and pain that you're walking through in your life, depending on the Spirit, we must avoid temptation. And so when my wife and I first moved here, there was a family from Southcrest that gave us a golden retriever. And so we went over to their house to meet them for the first time uh, and to meet this dog. And they, uh, we met this dog, and this dog is amazing. It was like the greatest gift that anyone could ever give me is to give me a golden retriever, right? Like it was a dream of my whole life. And so we meet this dog, and this dog is so sweet, like so friendly, so wonderful. And they tell us like, hey, she's fully trained. Like she's going to let you know when she needs to use the bathroom. I was like, oh, I didn't even know dogs could do that, right? Like, she's great. Like, she's perfect. But here's the only thing about her is that she hates other dogs. Like, okay, like, no, no, like, she can't stand to be around other dogs. And so we take her home, and we're like, maybe they just had, like, one bad moment, right? Like, maybe it was just a bad scenario. We learned that evening when we took her out to use the bathroom, we lived in an apartment at the time with tons of dogs, like, Oh, no, no, they're, they're not playing. This dog hates other dogs. Like, anytime she sees another dog, it's like she has this sinful condition that says, my job is to destroy that other animal, right? Like, it is a fleshly desire that is in her to kill other animals. And so we learned, and we had to learn very quickly, of how to avoid temptation for our dog, for we didn't run into an embarrassing moment. And so we learned that if we could turn Sadie around and point her in a different direction, that she would forget that there's a dog over there that she wants to fight, right? So we would, at, when we first had her, I would turn her around and immediately start running in a different direction. <laughs> and it worked. And so we began to realize there was small steps that could help her not have a moment of freaking out. And so it was first being able to turn her around. Then we realized, hey, maybe we shouldn't take her out to use the bathroom at 5 p.m. when everybody else is taking their dogs out. And then we realized other things, like she doesn't really enjoy the dog park, right? That's not her favorite place to be. It was small steps to helping and learning in this process. And in the same way, if we want to avoid temptation, it's small steps, it's not like huge and elaborate jumps, but it's small steps to growing and avoiding temptation. And so here's some examples of what that could look like in your life. If you struggle with, with watching pornography or, or feelings of lust, don't sleep with your phone next to your head. You, you're placing a huge area of temptation right next to you in your weakest state when you're tired and maybe feeling lonely. And so if you're a parent, man, let, let me plead with you for a second. I would encourage you to remove screens out of your children's rooms, right? You're allowing them to be tempted in a moment of weakness. Also, Brandon talked about this a couple weeks ago, but there's different software platforms like Covenant Eyes that you can place on your phone. And so if you're real about not wanting to struggle with this anymore, you have to make a step to say, I am going to seek everything I can do to avoid this temptation. If you're in a dating relationship, I, I work primarily here with the high school students, but I know there's those that are dating and those that are engaged. 
we encourage them to not be alone for long periods of time together. That when two people are attracted to one another and alone in a dark room watching a movie, that's a recipe for sin, right? And so it's way easier to be self-controlled when your mom's sitting next to you, right? Or you're in your roommates there, or when there are other people in the building. If you always drink too much with certain people, maybe the thing you need to work on is to just avoid drinking with those people. doesn't mean you can't hang out with them, but not being in certain scenarios where you know you're going to drink. For married couples and for those that are engaged, avoid having your most important conversations, like the, the biggest conversations of your marriage, when you're tired and hungry. It's only going to lead to, to fights and arguments. If you always find yourself gossiping with a certain group of people at dinner, there, there's a pastor, his name's Jonathan Pacluda. He uses this idea that you need to change your playmates and your playground, right? That you need to avoid hanging out with those certain people at that certain time. If you struggle with mindless hours of scrolling on social media, Apple has now released this thing that you can restrict an app that you can have a time restriction on your phone that can keep you from scrolling over and over again. Or maybe you just commit, hey, as a family, we're not going to have the TV on all day, except for Saturday when football's on, right? But every time, like, we're going we're gonna to fight that off. If you're prone to binge eating, like, after a long week, or if you're like me when it's 1030 at night and you're just kind of a little bit bored and you don't know what to do, and you just go to the pantry, you need to maybe avoid putting sweets and snacks that are full of sugar in the pantry that are going to lead you to temptation over and over. And so if we want self-control, we must be really intentional to avoid moments like this, to do our best to, to fight off these things. We can't control everything, but it's small steps to working to be a person that's more controlled. And so what needs to change for you to avoid temptation? Is it the surroundings or the environment that you often go to? Is it the people you're with or the objects involved? The more you say no to temptation, the easier it gets. And so it's likely that whatever you struggle with may always be a temptation and a, and a struggle for you. But the more you say no to it, the more you don't give in to it, that loud screaming voice in your head that says, I want that, I need that, I desire that. And the more you say no, the more that voice will drastically decrease, that it's eliminated more and more. And so to grow in self-control, we must be a people that avoids temptation. And I'll, I'll close with this if the, if the band wants to go ahead and come on up. But all summer, we've been studying the book of Proverbs, right? If you've been here for the past couple months, we've walked through various themes of this book. And so we've covered things like following your heart, toxic people, parenting, sexual sin, money, pride, friendship, and now self-control. And I think it could be really easy for us to hear a series like this. And that you begin to become overwhelmed with a laundry list of things you can't do, right? And that, that you leave every week with, with a journal full of countless areas where you feel like you need to grow. 
And then just once again, Christianity is just a list of rules to follow, right? That maybe you could feel this way. And and I've found myself like this, that I think it could be super easy for that's the only thing that we focus on. But here's what's true, and I, I want you to hear this as we wrap up this series, is that when you follow the wisdom that's found in Proverbs, and really throughout all of Scripture, your relationship with Jesus deepens. And not only does it deepen, but walking with Jesus keeps you from the heartache and pain that all of us could easily, so easily fall into. And so here, here's what I want you to hear, is that Jesus is not a killjoy. That the scripture is not trying to keep you from fun, but following Jesus is the best way. His way is better. And so here's what Proverbs teaches, is that someone that pursues after Jesus, there is great benefits and blessings that come to them. They're not a person that's left with regret. They're not a person that's left with shame. That's they're, they're a person that's pursuing after the greatest thing anyone could ever pursue. And so I want that for each of us, not to feel like what the world has is better, but to recognize what Jesus is offering you. A life after him is so much better. And so as we move into a time of response, if you've never made the decision to trust Jesus, my hope is that you would do that this morning. Is that maybe for the first time, you recognize that through him, you can experience freedom from the things that control you that maybe you've dealt with an addiction that you cannot get over and you're recognizing this morning that you can't win that battle without him. My encouragement is that you would run to him, pursue him, accept him as your savior. And if you're a Christian this morning, if you're a believer, we've walked through lots of different things in this series. I think the question for all of us is, where do you need to grow for your walk with Jesus would deepen? I don't want you to focus on the things you can't do, but where are the areas that you need to grow in? What would help you look more like him? And so there's going to be people in the back that that would love to pray with you, to talk you through what it means to accept Jesus, to to pray with you through a struggle or an area that you feel like you lack control. But we don't say this all the time here, but this altar is also open for a chance for you to come say, I'm not going to go another school year struggling with this. I'm not, I'm not going to go another year of waking up and feeling like, oh, I'm only going to do it one more time. But this will be the year that you say, I am going to seek control through the power of the Spirit. And so we have a few moments right now that maybe in your seat or maybe you want to come and grab your spouse and come to the altar and say, this is what I'm laying down. I'm believing that Jesus is better than whatever is controlling me. And so would you take a moment to do that right now? And then we'll pray and respond. You move in however the Lord moves you. Jesus, I pray for that person in the room right now that that was like me a few years ago, that was struggling with an addiction that no one knew about, that was hiding it, and feels completely out of control. And God, I also just pray for the, for the person in the room, the believer that's been walking with you for a while, but still just feels like they can't get over blowing up in anger. And so God, I pray that we would become a people that becomes dependent on you. That we don't try to muscle up the, our own strength to fight on our own, but that we would walk with you 
seeking to learn where we struggle and fighting to avoid temptation. So God, help us believe as we wrap up this series that your way is better. That what you have for us is best. Help us trust that today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 